you have a handout um, with you, we're going to look at a few texts there. Um, we went over the plan for the year. Uh, I reminded you that we do activities, but activities are unto a purpose. It's not just to go on a picnic. It's not just to have uh, a campfire. It's not just to have a luncheon. There is a purpose in it. And, of course, we could start with a simple verse, perhaps one of the very first verses you ever memorized as a believer. Whether we eat or whether we drink or whatsoever we do, we do all to the what? To the glory of God. So, so we are not a purposeless people. We are a people that are driven by purpose. But we have to keep resetting our focus so that we make sure that the purpose is God's purpose and not our own plans. His will and not our will be done. And so we're just sort of pushing the reset button to make sure we don't forget why we gather, why we come together, what ultimately are we looking to do. I thought about a six-month course when we came back from the pandemic in October uh, as Sunday school class of 2004. We sort of reconstituted. You might remember, we used this book. We walked through this book, Discipleship Reboot. How many of you were with us during that time? Probably about a third, maybe. So many of you have not been with us. This is an excellent little book. If you're not familiar with discipleship, or even if you're very familiar with it, but you would just like a retake that isn't going to take you four months to read through the book, but it's superb. Again, um, would encourage you by it. It's written by Jay Lackey. Uh, it's very inexpensive. And um, in fact, if you actually told me that you wanted a copy, I probably can even get you one. So um, I did give everybody in the class had a copy back at that time. We worked through that book. And so it's just, it's just sort of a, a big, broad overview of, of that teaching to remind us why we do what we do. And so look if you're at your handout, if you would, um, the first page. Again, I remind you on that back page is, a, is the plan for the year. You can rip that off and put it on your calendar. We'll remind you as we go through. Other things will be added, but that is the plan uh, for the year. But as you see at the title there, Connecting for the Purpose of Discipleship um, Unto Christ-Likeness. We're going to look at a number of texts this morning. Last week we looked at the Great Commission, and you can see how the Great Commission ultimately is to bring people into the kingdom and then not just bring them into the kingdom, but to take them all the way to Christ-Likeness. Teach them to observe all things I have written you you won't be able to do it yourself. Lo, I am with you unto the end of the earth. We know as we look that we have a mandate. Every member is a minister. Every member has a ministry. And we are the means that God chooses to use as we speak his word empowered by the spirit to see one another grow in the grace and the knowledge and the truth of Christ. And hopefully every member come to, minister, to maturity. As you look down through these passages, we're going to start on Colossians 1. I want you to notice that every, sets of, every set of verses has a purpose and a goal or, uh, and a means for carrying out the goal. And, and, of course, every book 
is different and everyone is set in a, in a different context, um, particularly Hebrews. And so I, I recognize that I'm not set in the context for all of these. But nevertheless, um, this morning, they, they point to the same idea of there's purpose in life and that purpose has a means. The purpose is Christ-likeness or godliness and the means is the word of God that's spoken by us right here. And we're all involved at, at different levels. And so let's just look at those verses quickly, if we might. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. And it says, we proclaim him. This is Paul in Colossians speaking to them. They had a lot of um, false teachers and heretics among them. Uh, a mixed message continuing. So he's always bringing them back to the gospel. We have the same thing going on today. That's why we have to always bring ourselves back to the gospel. And he says, this is how you do it. We, we proclaim him. And what's really important, we must admonish every man. How do we admonish every man? I mean, just ourselves, our own opinions, what, what we think? No, we admonish every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we might present every man complete in Christ. Notice the completion of Christ. Notice the, the, the emphasis of everyone. But we're, we're to bring everybody to maturity. Everybody in this class is to come to maturity. We are, we are a means that God wants to use to help us together grow in Christ and to reach other people and then help them grow in Christ. Uh, it's, it's, it's emphatic. Uh, Look what he says, for this purpose also I labor striving. Listen, making disciples and being intentional about your life and your ministry is labor. You have to strive at it. Your flesh doesn't necessarily want to always do it, but we do it anyhow. May I say that there are times when you can't make an activity or you can't make a church event or you can't be at church. There are times you can't understand that. We all have busy lives. But your life should be gospel-centered, and it can't be gospel-centered if it's not centered around your local church. And your local church has activities exactly for this purpose, and I'm going to be transparent with you. I don't always feel like coming to church. Can you believe a pastor said that? Well, I don't. Sometimes I'm tired. Or anybody else here ever not always feel like coming to church? Yeah, come on. Tell me the truth. I don't always feel like going to an activity. I'm tired. I'm weary. But there's a higher purpose rather than me being tired and weary. I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I'm trying to get you to the point to recognize, make sure that it's something you really can't do not just something you just don't want to do. Or worse yet, here's worse yet, you've been deceived into thinking you don't have a role, you don't have a purpose. No, you do have a role and you do have a purpose, and, and that's what I want you to see today, and so then that sometimes helps motivate you past your feelings as you look to the truth of the Word of God. Does that make sense, or is that, does that just confuse everybody? Anybody want a question about what I just said? An objection? Paul is saying, for this purpose. What purpose? To see every man come to Christ-like. 
man, not meaning male in this particular case. By the way, several people told me last week I ended by mentioning that I was transitioning. I had forgotten that the weirdos have tried to steal the English language from us. I meant transitioning from an executive pastor to some future role, just be clear on that in case there was a, you were wondering. You will not see me showing up here in a dress ever. <laughs> For this purpose, Paul says, I labor. I don't just labor, I strive. I'm striving according to his power. I can't do it myself. He's got to supply the power which works mightily within me. So I must be filled with the Spirit. I must be walking in the truth. I must be believing the Word. I must be repenting and putting off those lies and putting on the truth and, and saying, your will be done, not my will be done. I must be walking this way myself, empowered by the Spirit, so that I can teach and admonish everyone else. That's equally all of our responsibilities. Mine to a higher degree as an elder, teacher. Matter of fact, the scripture is clear. I give double account. But don't mistake me giving double account to thinking you don't give an account. No, I just give double, but you give an account. It's, it's part of what you're called to do. It's part of obedience. Disciples, disciple. Every member has this ministry that's been given to them as a part of the body of Christ. And every one of you have different gifts given by the Holy Spirit that are to be used so that the body will mature itself as it speaks the word one to another, which we'll clearly see here in this next text. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16 starts out saying he gave some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. So God gave some gifts. The, the prophet and the apostles have passed away, so there's pastors and teachers, evangelists now, and they're given to equip the saints. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Some of your translation may say the work of the ministry synonymous for what purpose to the building up of the body the ministry is ultimately for the building up of the body the body of Christ and look what it says how long does this go on until we all obtain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the son of God to a mature man or person that's the purpose that the saints are equipped to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So that's the goal. Teachers, elders, pastors, we're to equip the saints. That's what I do when I stand here on Sunday morning. That's what Pastor Farrell does when he stands there on Sunday morning. We're equipping you with the very words of God, and we're equipping you so that you might grow up and so that you might help others grow up into, into maturity, all the way to being like Christ. That's, that's the pursuit. Look what it says. As a result, we're no longer to be children. I've had that conversation before. I've had people ask me, do I need to do this? Should I do this? And my answer has been very simple. I guess that depends. I'll let you answer the question. 
do you want to be mature, grown up in Christ, or do you want to be a little child? Because little children don't do necessarily what mom and dad want. Little children do what they want. But what's a mature person do? A mature person does what they ought to do, right? A mature person does what they ought to do, whether somebody's looking or what somebody isn't. What does an immature person do or a child do? If the teacher's looking, I do right. If the teacher isn't looking, I don't do right, right? If mom or dad are looking, I don't do, I do right. And if they're not, I'm not looking. God's always looking. Mature people do what's right, whether they, whether they feel like it or not. They're not like children anymore. We need grown-up believers that don't act like children. They don't act like children when they're out in the community, on the freeway when somebody cuts them off, in the parking lot when somebody takes their parking spot, at Walmart when somebody cuts in line in front of them. Wherever, all over, we need mature believers that are not children. Because until we're mature believers growing in the likeness of Christ, our light doesn't shine. In fact, we put a bushel basket over our light and we're back to singing that little kid song. This little light of mine, you know what I'm talking about? The little kid song? Don't hide it under a bushel basket. That's what we do if we're kids. We're hiding our light under the bushel basket and we look just like the world. And Paul is saying we must grow up so that we're not tossed and turned. No longer children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind and doctrine. I believe this today, and I heard somebody else on the radio say this, so I believe that tomorrow. I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him until the day. I'm a Berean. I get in. I study. Yes, God grows me. Yes, I change, but I change not based on the opinion of man, but on the very words of the living God as they nourish me. And my eyes are opened and I, and I see him. I have to be careful because of every wind of doctrine and the trickery of men, the craftiness of its deceitful schemes. But speaking the truth in love. Notice this, speaking the truth. We're grown up by we, we hear the word of God. Speaking the truth in love, there's a way that has to be done. It needs to be done loving, even if it's direct. It needs to be a care for the one we're speaking to. We are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. You're the joint by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of every individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself. The body builds itself up. You're equipped, you disciple others, and together the body grows itself up. This is, it's a beautiful concept, and you have a very real part and responsibility in it. These two verses in, in Hebrews are just good warnings. But you see the same idea. Let us consider how to stimulate one another in love and good deeds. Not forsaking the assembly together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as we see the day drawing near. We can't encourage one another if we're not here with one another. 
whether it's here or an activity or uh, or, or whatever if, I, if I'm not building and connecting with other people I do that for the purpose word here stimulate I'm stimulating one another to love and to good deeds I, I, I help other people and they help me by encouraging me you doing the same Hebrews 10 is a similar uh, idea or I just read Hebrews 10 didn't I let me <laughs> let, let me bounce up and get Hebrews 3 take care brethren that there are not any one of you of an evil unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God but encourage one another day after day as long as it's still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin I recognize if I had had to um, take and lay that passage out and give the context and the meaning and all the possible interpretations we could be here for two lessons not just one and so don't get stuck on that what I'm what I'm trying for you to see is that we're all attacked with unbelief we all have that tendency to not believe do you ever think about this um, as a pastor I had somebody ask me this recently and I think this is probably true though I can't say I've ever taken a survey I think the other men would probably say the same thing and if you do a lot of discipling you'd probably say the same thing the number one thing if I were trying to, to diagnose and say what's the number one thing that I'm dealing with people about that's probably head and shoulders above everything else it would be anxiety fear well boiled down to the lowest common denominator what does fear and anxiety come from it comes from unbelief I'm fearful about tomorrow because I don't believe what God has said about tomorrow I'm fearful about tomorrow because I do not believe that God will be in tomorrow and he will do what he's already said he will do that's why I'm anxious now, I understand it can be a lot more complicated than that, and there's every individual situation, and you have to help people walk in that truth and learn it. But I'm telling you, unbelief is a very real problem for us, and one of the ways that we, when we get unbelief, if we... <laughs> unbelief can cause me to be disobedient, which causes me to harden my heart or for my heart to be hardened. I actually harden my own heart by not believing God. Do you understand that? When, when I'm disobedient, I harden my own heart by disbelief, which is why it's so important I walk in the truth and why I need you and you need me to help you identify when you're walking in unbelief. And somebody come along and say, you're not believing the truth, brother. You're not leaving the truth, sister. You need to walk in the truth because the deceitfulness of sin can harden your heart so easily. And so this whole area of discipleship is just so necessary. So the Abundant Life class purpose is to shepherd the flock of God, helping each member embrace Christ's mandate so that Christ to be formed in both the one that's discipling and the one that's being discipled. Do you understand that's one of the great graces 
of discipleship is that it's a win-win. You can't lose from it. I know I have a lot more time. You actually work hard and you're faithful at your giving so that now for almost 36 years I'm able to spend my time pouring into other people the verses, the word, the encouragement that they need and teaching others to do the same. So I, I, I get that I got a lot more time to do that than you do. But we all should be involved in it because every single time I'm reading a book with another man, every single time Judy and I are discipling another couple and we're working through a book, every single time we're doing that, not only are they growing, but what's happening to me? I'm growing. I'm being convicted. I grow up more and more. The truths are deepened in me. And so when I'm discipling people, it's good for my heart. I need it. When you're discipling people, it's good for your heart, and of course it's good for the one that you're discipling. And so if everybody is here is, is busy doing that and on some fashion, we all benefit. And that's the point of all these texts that I just read you. That's why we should all be busy about it. And there's many different ways to facilitate that. That's not just one way. There's, there's many, many different ways. The overall plan for the Abundant Life class and all of those things is that we might be a trellis so that you, the vine, can grow on that trellis and become healthy. That's why we're going to do a luncheon today. The luncheon today isn't primarily about whether the Yankees won yesterday or whether they didn't. Now, Doug and I might spend a minute or two just chatting about that, but that's not mainly what it's about. It's mainly about getting to know one another, finding out other, one another's burdens and heartaches, and how might I pray for you? How might I encourage you? How's life? What's getting you down? How could I help? It's, it's getting to know each other, even on a level where you would be willing to discuss those kind of things. And so that, that's the purpose of the plan. And, and in order to grasp what I'm trying to tell you, you're going to have to be gospel-focused rather than self-focused. And that probably is going to mean, at least for me, over and over again, I have to repent. Because I'm thinking, yeah, I don't really feel like doing that. Oh. wonder what Jesus would do. Oh, I'm tired. I don't think I feel like doing that. There's 5,000 people clamoring. Well, I don't think I'm tired. I don't think I'm, I don't feel like doing that. And I have to ask myself, what, what would Christ have me to do rather than what do I feel like doing? And it's not long before I see I'm being self-focused again, self-centered. You, you know, apart from Christ, I am like the selfishest man that walks on the face of the earth and the most self-centered man that walks on the face of the earth. And the only people that could possibly compete with me with being self-centered and selfish are all of you. Because sin is common to how many men? Yeah, bingo. And, and so don't be deceived that you don't need this. I can't be deceived thinking I don't need it. We all need it, and we need it, and we need it desperately. So take a look just quickly on the next sheet. Discipleship takes many forms. Let's just start simple in case this is all new to you. I would encourage you to have three relationships similar to this. Maybe you just start one at a time and, and, and you, you work your way into it, but it would be healthy for you if you had three. One is a, is a Paul 
like relationship. Somebody that's spiritually more mature you a little bit further uh, down the road and someone that you could get together with from time to time. That could be at the golf course. That could be at a ball game. That could be at, over a cup of coffee. That could be a lot of different ways. That could be the context of your families getting together. But somebody that's a little bit more mature than you and that you can learn from and that you can grow from. Um, life is hard. I think everybody needs a Barnabas. Anybody here say life is hard? I, I mean, you're always getting beat over the head with something. Something's always going wrong. This is a Genesis 3 world. It is tough. And you need somebody in your life that's like a Barnabas, that's an encourager. And, and perhaps he's in a, a, a similar season of life and he can, he can hold you uh, accountable and, and encourage you um, when you're down. And at the same time, you can encourage him when you're down. And then I, I say to you, you'll be a great gain if you look for a Timothy. <clears throat> or some, by Timothy, I'm talking about somebody that's a little bit younger than you in the faith. Maybe not younger than you in years, but younger than you in the faith. And you could simply take a few things that God has taught you and is teaching you, and you could begin to teach them. It would be just such a blessing for them. So what do I mean when I'm saying discipleship. I, I put down here a few definitions just so you could get your arms around it in, in case this is new to you. Discipleship is deliberately doing spiritual good to another by helping them follow Christ and grow in Christ's likeness or holiness. You can do that in the terms of a Bible study. You certainly can do that by going to Grace and Granite, by the ladies Bible study. Ten men uh, meet here on, on Wednesday. Small groups all of those are designed in a fashion to facilitate this. Do you see that? That's, that's, that's why we're doing it. Why, why do you think you do those things? Yes, there's relationship, but the relationship is unto maturity, unto Christ-likeness. That's, that's its purpose. Embracing the discipleship mandate will help Christ to be formed in both the one doing the discipling and the one being discipled. I've already said that before, want to emphasize it. It's, it's a win-win. You, you can't go wrong. Discipleship takes many forms, but it begins with loving obedience to our Lord. Here's an overview picture of discipleship basics operating in its many forms. So there's discipleship. It, it inevitably involves influence. What are we talking about? Figuring out some way that you can lay your life on somebody else or let somebody else lay their life on you. I say that in the purest means. Again, the world has stolen our, you know, our, um, our English language, but you know what I'm talking about. Two lies pressed, pressed together. And sometimes that's for six months, sometimes that's for four months, sometimes that's for a year, sometimes that's for a lifetime. Sometimes it's for a specific purpose. Judy and I meet with a lot of couples and its specific purpose is for a period of time while we're helping them prepare for marriage. We'll, we'll meet with some other people that are, that its specific purpose is to help them grow and strengthen a, a, an area in their relationship, their parenting, or their, their, their marriage that's, that just needs a little tweaking, needs a little help, needs a little accountability. Now, none of those things go on for five years or ten years. They're six months, four months, uh, a year, maybe if it's drastic. But so it, well, when I'm saying discipleship, it's, it's a continually 
turning over. It's a, it's a changing thing, and different people have different gifts, and, and you can be involved in, in the same thing you should be. It's, it's just life-sharing and getting, giving out of love. Discipling is others-orientated, and it's relational. So that means if you're not a relational person, you've got to move out of your comfort zone. That means you've got, you got to get close. It's helpful. Honestly, it's helpful to, um, you know, to jot down a few good questions you can ask somebody that would help connect. I can't tell you how many times Judy and I have headed together for a situation or Judy's been going to go to a situation, or I haven't. Before we've gone, we've said to each other, so this person's not really easy to talk to. But do you know some people aren't really easy to talk to? Actually, maybe some of you are that person. That's okay. You can learn to talk by talking to others, and so if you're that kind of a person, or if you're going to go talk with that kind of person, why don't you prepare for them? I didn't come this morning without preparing. Sometimes in discipleship, you prepare. So you sit down and you think, what might that person like? What would I love to know about them? And you write yourself a few questions and you prepare so you could go and be a blessing. How could I encourage that person? What would make them smile? What could I find out that makes them cry? And, and so I could find out their heartache, find out a blessing, encourage them, and I sort of prepare a little bit so that when I go have coffee with them or when I go speak with them, that, that I do have something to say. I won't get as tongue-tied. Does that make sense? It's, it's really just a matter of commitment. It's not hard, but it is labor, and you do have to strive, but everybody in here can do that. If you need some help doing that, come and see me. I'll spend a half an hour with you and help you. I can give you questions. I, I got, how about you, I have a sheet with 50 questions that can be used that you can look and say, hey, that would really be a good question to ask somebody, that when you sit down and you ask that question, it just opens up a whole panorama of things that build a relationship, and then you can pray, and, and as you've prayed for them, then you're able to walk up to them and say, how, how is this going? Or they come to you excitingly, like Kathy did to me this morning, and told me, thank you for praying God has worked miraculously. Can I share it with others? And the relationship is... is is built and encouraged. Questions, if if I've been confusing. Anybody give a testimony, perhaps briefly, of how either discipling somebody or being discipled has been a blessing to you and has helped you in your walk with the Lord? Anybody be willing to do that? Joyce. A co-worker asked me um, over 25 years ago, I guess, uh, if I would like to pray with her. And um, we did it just about every week. She now has um, the same thing that Doug Marsh has. But I still go. She lives in Roanoke. I still try to go once, once a month and still pray with her. Because it changed my life. I mean, she ju- I just have a passion for praying that I would not have had without her. And we were, we were iron sharpening iron. It wasn't just prayer. It just it grew, the friendship. And um, it was, 
it would, it's the, one of the biggest blessings of my life. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That's one, one example. I'm, anybody else want to share a short one where that discipleship was a blessing to you? Encourage others to do the same? Okay. I know that's intimidating. So, we're supposed to be done. Look at the questions down there at the bottom. Discipleship is a means of fulfilling the one another. So, I would ask you, right now, if I were to ask you, we could extend the class one hour, and I were to put a whiteboard up here behind me and said, let's write down all the one another's. How many could you, how many could you list? I wish we had time time to do that, but you know the the New Testament has something like, and it depends how you divide them up, but something like 21 commands that we are to do as believers one to another. I want to whet your appetite to go take a look at that, and and then ask yourself the question: So how how many of these commands, in one way or another, over a period of time, am I obeying? I'm to be hospitable. Um, I love this one. I, I, I'm I'm commanded to. We're commanded to give one another a holy kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got to do that in context. So I'm not expecting when I say Amen, we're done. Everybody's going around kissing each other. But it'd be all right to go around and greet each other with that kind of sincerity, give each other a hug, give each other a pat on the back, a grip on the shoulder, you know, appropriate, but it's a command, it's in there. We're, we're, we're to be doing that. Um, we're to greet one another. We don't just come in and sit down, we're to greet one another. That's not, the, one another is to greet you. No, you're to greet one another. Do you recognize then, if you were to take an extension of that command, that you're an greeter of the Abundant Life class. You greet people in the Abundant Life class if you're going to fulfill that one another. So, next week when you come in here, be a greeter. But, haha, it's not just the Abundant Life class. We're going to switch over here in a minute and it's going to be Timberlake Baptist Church, 10.30 a.m. service. You're, to, you're a greeter. We have ushers, but we have a greeter team. And that's specifically what the greeter team does. But do you know you're on the greeter team? You're on God's greeter team. That's fulfilling the one another's uh, of Scripture. So the next says, would you describe yourself as a disciple of Christ? I hope the answer to that is yes. If you're not sure, then would you please come and see me, make an appointment to see me if you're not sure if you're a disciple of Christ? I'd love to spend some time with you. Would you describe yourself... Would you describe your discipleship of others as intentional and strategic? Are you ready to obey out of love and initiate either being discipled or discipling another, or better yet, both? And then maybe you just ask yourself the question, so what needs to happen so that a yes goes behind all of those? So, that's the purpose of our class. That's what we're doing that's what the activities are for. I'm thankful for the activities, but it's unto Christ-likeness. Um, thank you for your attention.
I'm going to miss you and think about you while I'm gone for 10 days, but I'm going to go anyhow. <clears throat> and, uh, but when I'm away, I'll still pray for you. And uh, faithfully, Judy and I together will pray for you uh, day by day by day. God bless you. You are dismissed.